Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, August 25th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topics in the New York tri-state area. And it includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Isabel Danzis. And I'm Taylor Mazzetta. Here's What's What in New York. Yesterday, the New York City Council held a hearing about a new way to distribute the monkeypox vaccine. This was in response to the Biden administration's new mandate. It states that all monkeypox vaccines will have to be given through an interdermal injection. So this means it will be a shallow injection into the skin rather than a deeper one into muscle. The intradermal injection requires less vaccine to be effective, so experts are hoping that this will help conserve supply. Healthcare professionals will have to be retrained for these injections, and there are concerns about whether they will be as effective as the traditional method. The change was implemented yesterday evening, and the state will have to completely shift to this new technique before the federal government will send more vaccines. Another bus of asylum seekers arrived in New York yesterday, and city officials were shocked to discover something tied on all of their wrists. Nearly all 237 migrants had bracelets with barcodes on. There had been rumors of migrants arriving with these bracelets, but city officials hadn't seen them until yesterday. Texas Governor Greg Abbott claims that these bracelets are protocol when processing immigrants, but the migrants don't fully understand what these bracelets are. Immigrant Affairs Commissioner Miguel Castro from the mayor's office said that migrants feel threatened by these bracelets. Asylum seekers have shared with Castro that they feel forced to stay on the bus because of the barcodes. As of yesterday, Castro says that the city has processed 7,000 migrants. He also says many people came from outside the city's official system, so the number is likely higher. It looks like the Thin Mint has found itself a new rival. The Girl Scouts just unveiled its newest member of their cookie lineup. It's called the Raspberry Rally, a thin, crispy cookie dipped in chocolate and infused with raspberry flavor. Most new Girl Scout cookies are completely different from their predecessors, but this one seems to be a close relative to the Thin Mint. The Girl Scouts call it the Thin Mint Sister Cookie. Others think a rivalry between the two is brewing. Once cookie season rolls around, you can buy the Raspberry Rally from the Girl Scouts website. The profits will still go to your local troops to help fund activities and community projects. Last night, fans of Billy Joel were surprised to see a Gen Z icon take the stage with the Piano Man. Olivia Rodrigo is well known for her heartbreak anthems, especially the TikTok sensation Driver's License. Another iconic song, Deja Vu, mentions Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. Last night, she joined Joel on stage at his monthly residency at Madison Square Garden. She then performed Deja Vu with Joel playing the piano in the background. Then the pair joined up for a duet of Uptown Girl. Fans of Billy Joel welcomed her with open arms and sang along to Deja Vu, which surprised many music critics given their different demographics. I guess everyone can relate to teenage heartbreak. Russ and Daughters is an iconic food establishment that's been around for 108 years. The shop is located in the Lower East Side, and the owners opened a cafe in 2014. It was forced to shut down during the pandemic. While other food businesses rushed to reopen, Russ and Daughters reopened in late July of this year. WFUV's Christina Lulich spoke to Nikki Russ Fetterman, the co-owner of Russ and Daughters, and headed to that cafe. She has the story on why the Russ and Daughters Cafe chose to reopen now and why this appetizing establishment is so special for New Yorkers. The clattering of cups and silverware and the sound of people chatting fills the atmosphere of the Russ and Daughters Cafe. The bar at the front of the establishment and the fish slicing station are the two focal points. The cafe was created in 2014 as a sit-down extension for the Russ and Daughters appetizing shop. Russ and Daughters is one of the last remaining authentic appetizing 
shops. Appetizing is a very New York born and bred food tradition. Appetizing is an Ashkenazi Jewish cuisine. So think of bagels and lox, challah, and bialis. Joel Rush was a Polish Jewish immigrant who founded the business in the early 1900s. He got his start selling herring to other Eastern European immigrants from a pushcart in the Lower East Side. It has evolved. It has transcended that to now. You know, Russ and Daughters and the foods that we make are just beloved New York food that belongs to everyone. And for people coming from you know, outside of the city visiting New York, it, for them, it's, a, it's an entry point. It's a way to literally and figuratively taste our town. And people have heard of Russ and Daughters across the globe. In the cafe, friends Sunny Kang and Sabrina Von Court from Sydney, Australia, enjoy a classic board for breakfast. The board is an open-faced bagel or bialy with smoked salmon, tomato, and cream cheese. When deciding on where to have their breakfast in the city, Kang knew Russ and Daughters had to be the spot. We just flew in from Sydney last night, and my husband, who's in Sydney, um, will always look at really good restaurants and cafes to go to. And number one, he said, right, go, you're five minutes away from Russ and Daughters, go and have breakfast there. But when the pandemic hit in 2020, Russ and Daughters Cafe was forced to close like many other businesses. Their staff went from a 50-person team to a team of six. Russ and Daughters switched to takeout and delivery only, and the cafe stayed closed until July of this year. We opted to play the long game and to resist rushing back into reopening. You know, when you have 108 years of history and you want to have another 108 years of history in the future, it forms your decision-making. People are just overjoyed to be back. They feel comfortable eating indoors. Russ and Daughters has such a loyal fan base, they didn't even announce their reopening. They just opened their doors, hoping customers would find their way back to the cafe. And they did. These little shops and these little places are all closing up too quickly. So it's nice to see that it's actually reopened. That was Eileen Fulton. She's originally from England but has been living in NYC for over 30 years. I found her while she was waiting to be seated at the cafe. And she's just one guest. Nikki Russ Fetterman says that since reopening, business has been booming. And there's been such a wonderful energy and busyness to it that it, you know, at moments I can almost forget that the last two and a half years happened. Our goal is that the experience for the guest feels just like it did in before times. And it isn't just the cafe that's busy. A couple blocks away, there's a line wrapped around the block outside the original store. But April Potts, who has been coming to Russ and Daughters for years, doesn't mind the wait. It's bomb and it's just like an establishment. It's been here forever. You have to try it at least once and then you're hooked and then you're just a regular. Calamities are not new to Russ and Daughters. It's a business that's endured the Spanish flu, the Great Depression, and 9-11. So Russ Fetterman knew that the COVID-19 pandemic would be the obstacle she would have to face. And luckily, the business has been able to thrive. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich talking about the reopening of Russ and Daughters Cafe. Now we're heading over to sports with WFUV's Ryan Gregware. Ryan, what's the latest on the NBA injuries? A big loss was confirmed yesterday by the Oklahoma City Thunder as the 2022 second overall pick, Chet Holmgren, will miss the NBA season with a Liz Frank injury. Holmgren suffered the injury while playing in a pro-am game guarding LeBron James. This is devastating news for the Thunder as Holmgren looked apart in preseason, showing flashes as an elite defender and a big man that could shoot threes despite a 7-foot frame. 
While the Thunder continue to move along in their rebuild, they'll have to do so without one of the most exciting prospects for the upcoming season. And sticking with basketball news, Vanessa Bryant was awarded $16 million after the jury reached a verdict in the lawsuit against the photos taken at the crash site of the tragedy involving the death of Kobe Bryant and eight other victims. Bryant was awarded 16 of the $31 million that the LASD and LAFD have been ordered to pay the victims involved. And Ryan, the U.S. Open is starting on Monday. What's up with Djokovic's status? Yeah, it's been speculated for a while, but finally confirmed this morning that Novak Djokovic will not compete in the U.S. Open in the coming weeks. Djokovic, who is notably unvaccinated, is not legally allowed to play or even enter the United States due to the COVID health and safety protocols. After dominating at Wimbledon in July, Djokovic was hopeful that the U.S. would change their protocols, but they did not, as the U.S. Open will not feature the 21-time major champion. With Serena Williams announcing this is her last event, there's still plenty of buzz to go around, but not having one of tennis's premier stars will for sure hurt the Open. Thanks, Ryan. And that's our show for today. I'm Taylor Massetta. And I'm Isabel Danzis. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, cultures, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFEV's What's What at WFEVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.